What's up, everyone? It's the Annie Up Podcast here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. I'm Adam Ronis from Fantasy Alarm, joined by Matt Modica today, one of the top high-stakes players around. Did you just start getting into golf? Because I know people... In my around my age, you know, late 30s, early 40s, like they really get into golf. I have not had any desire to do it yet. I'm still a big time softball player. So with the little free time that I have, I do play softball still. I can't get into golf, but it seems like all of a sudden, like you think you're a a big time golfer. What happened? Uh, I turned 48 in May and I figured I needed to do something. Uh, You know, what was the sport I could play and get into and. I started golfing as much as possible and, you know, eating right and working out. And in a short amount of period of time, it's really worked out. It is a very tough game. I know that. Um, yeah, I like, I like mini, I like mini golf and I did have a <laughs> hole in one when I was on a cruise playing mini golf. So I will always have that on my resume. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I do notice that people get into golf and they really love it. I just, I don't know why it hasn't been there for me yet. So you think once I do it, and maybe go that all of a sudden I'm going to get addicted and be like, yeah, I want to do this. You think that's what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I think it's addicting because, I mean, one, it's fun because it's it's very challenging. Like you, you think it's much easier than it is. And when you hit the ball right, it's it's like a euphoric kind of feeling. And it brings you back every time, you know, to get better and better. So I basically turned my garage into like a golf world mini gym. I call it the little Hercules golf world. Interesting. That sounds like uh, being in the bedroom, you know, once you hit it right, you know, you're for it. So. Very good, <laughs> good analogy. Pretty good. Yeah, that is a good analogy there. So I don't know. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe when I. You're still the- young, Ronis. You got some time. I'm not that younger. Than- I'm only five years younger than you, bro. Okay, you're getting there, then. Yeah, so once I lose another step or two and can't play the outfield anymore. Um, once you turn Florio on the softball field. Then, you know. Oh, Florio's brutal, man. That's E6. <laughs> That's what it should say on the back of his jersey. As uh, Actually, Frank Stample's asking me to play softball on the weekend, so I want to do it, but it's in Brooklyn, so it's a little bit of a trek. But we'll see. Anyway, uh, lots to get to here. Actually, what's, what's harder, uh, golf or high-stakes fantasy football? Oh, they're both uh, extremely difficult. And, uh, you know, you're basically, even in fantasy football, you're going against great comp- uh, competition, but you're competing against yourself in a way on how you, you know, ultimately are going to construct your builds and, you know, what philosophy you're going to go to. And we'll touch on more of that later. Yeah, we definitely will. But we got to kick it off on big news today. I don't know if it's surprising or not to me. The longer the Patriots were not named the starting quarterback, it kind of was inevitable that Mac Jones would be the starter. And the Patriots did indeed release Cam Newton today, paving the way for Mac Jones to open the season as the starting quarterback. Been impressive in the preseason. We've heard nothing but positives uh, in that dual practice this week with the Giants. So as far as Mac Jones, do you have any interest in him as a backup quarterback or you think it's such a deep position rookie? They might run a lot. Any interest in Mac Jones as a QB two? Uh, as a QB two, not really. I'm not surprised that he's the starter. I kind of thought they would name him the starter. I just didn't think they would cut Cam. So I'm assuming that maybe when Belichick went to Cam, Cam asked for his release. I mean, maybe not, but uh, that could be uh, a possibility there. And, 
you know, having it seems like Belichick does respect Cam a lot, and for that, maybe he gave him his release. But I think it helps the offense out. You know, everybody around Mac Jones, I think, uh, benefits from this. You know, I'm obviously Damian Harris. Everybody just go on Twitter, it's blowing up. Happy Damian Harris Day, Damian Harris in season. So you know, he won't get vultured by Cam at the goal line. Uh, I think, like, if you're a Juno guy or a Hunter Henry guy, that's a big benefit. And Jacoby Myers, uh, you know, he just keeps going up draft boards. Yeah, I did a NFFC online championship draft last night before this news, and I did get Jacoby Myers and James White. So hoping it works out. And mm-hmm. even before before this news, because tight end is so brutal, I actually had John o. Smith ranked eighth at tight end. And I know that's kind of aggressive, uh, but I just – the tight end landscape, I didn't see a lot. And I, I know Belichick loves John o. Smith. He's been praising him for years. I know Hunter Henry's there, but they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. So I, I can't move John o. Smith ranked higher than eight at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so I think it, that's, yeah, yeah, I think it does help him. Um, have you been in on Damian Harris? Is he a guy you've been drafting? I haven't gotten a lot. I have a couple of shares, but I usually miss out on him. Uh, I'm usually either getting another receiver or, uh, you know, maybe a one of my, you know, I don't want to say zero or like one of those, like when you're building a modified, you know, zero RB type kind of build, one of those pass catching backs or something. So I haven't been, but he's only going to now move up. I do like him. Uh, I think this solidifies him with Sony Michelle going out and Cam being released. I do think uh, Stevenson is very appealing because if something does happen to Damian Harris, you know, he's in for uh, a huge role. And he can catch the ball, too. I mean, for a big guy, he can catch the ball. Yeah, that is definitely the case. So I think you're going to see all those Patriots players move up the board in your drafts over the next couple of days, especially with everyone excited about that. And uh, Mac Jones, the odds for rookie of the year for him definitely have shifted. I know uh, he was at plus 500 on FanDuel Sportsbook this afternoon. Trevor Lawrence, the only one ahead of him. The other news is it looks like Michael Thomas is going to open the season on the pup list, which means he would miss at least six games. I have been staying away from Michael Thomas completely. I still see him going in the seventh, eighth rounds. And, you know, again, I could be wrong, but I just don't see the need to do it. In my draft last night, he actually went one pick before me at eight Nine. I was not going to take him anyway because I needed a running back badly at that point. But where are you on Michael Thomas? Have you been drafting him? Are you open to taking him? Uh, no, I'm not open to taking him. Uh, I think currently in the maybe half a dozen prime times that have been uh, completed already, his ADP is 78. And I just don't want any part. Maybe he comes back after six weeks and he wants to show the world. And, you know, he does have the talent. But I, I'm also, there's a possibility that he never plays for the Saints again. Uh, I don't like what's been going on be, be, between them. He got paid, and he seems like he thinks they're out to get him or something like that. I really don't know. Why do you wait this long to have surgery? And I I will take Marquez uh, Callaway in that range over him every time without even blinking an eye. 
Yeah, Callaway is probably one of the biggest risers here in the preseason. I was looking back on some drafts that I did. It was a draft in July. I got him in round 16. Uh, and, you know, again, that's why you that, draft early, right? Yeah. You know what? Let, let's talk about that real quick, because that always comes up on Twitter. And whenever I tweet something out, I remember tweeting something out about the Cam Akers injury. Oh, this is why you don't draft early. Look, like anything in life, there's going to be positives and negatives. And as someone, especially like you, and I, and I know sometimes the casual fan only does one or two leagues. That is different. If you're only playing in your work league and with your friends, you only have two leagues. I understand. Fine. You want to draft now, right? Right before the season. But if you play in a lot of leagues and there are hardcore people who do best ball and there's industry leagues and the high stakes leagues even open up early. If you're playing in double digit leagues, you do want to spread it out and you will sometimes reap the benefits, you know, Mar Marquez Callaway, an example. A lot of my early drafts, I got Daryl Henderson around 10, 11. Now we'll see if that works out with Sony Michelle there. But the point is, I mean, Jerry Judy's another guy. I had to pay a very high price tag for him last night. You could say I overpaid taking him late fourth round, but he was my highest ranked receiver left. As you know, in the NFFC, receivers fly off the board. So yeah, you're going to, I did draft Travis Etienne at one best ball. I don't think I have any J.K. Dobbins. So you're going to sometimes get screwed. Other times you're going to get extreme value. We know how the board shift, not from month to month. I mean, it's week to a week. You go back and look at some of the drafts. So, I mean, I know you're probably on the side of, hey, I'm going to draft anytime. Look, you can do a draft the day before the season and two of your guys that you take in the first three rounds get hurt the mm -hmm. first weekend. Look at Barkley and McCaffrey last year. Yep. I was going to bring that up. I mean, there's really no safe time, especially in the NFL. It's so violent. And, you know, and then, then there's the injuries where, you know, you get receivers that just make a cut. There's no contact and they're out for the year. So, I mean, you, you can't play scared. Uh, Henderson, just because you mentioned him. Yeah. Everybody that drafted him, him there was a huge winner. He was going in the fourth, maybe early fifth. Now he's sliding to the end of the sixth, early seventh. I think he's a value over there. I think he's still very talented. Uh, I think the biggest thing for him is can he stay on the field? I'm not really worried about his talent. I'm more worried about if he can stay on the field. The best avail uh, what is it? The best availability is availability. Uh, that's an Andy Saxton line. So I'll, I'll, I'll drop that one here. But just uh, just for instance, a guy like Judy that you mentioned going in the fourth round, and most people are going to be like, what? I did the uh, sack cancer primetime, uh, I think it was Friday night, this past Friday night, and I took Judy at 412, and the Miz was like, did I just see Judy in the fourth round? He seemed shocked and uh, was giving me some crap for it. But then again, uh, in the Miz's uh, league last year, me and Andy Saxon won that league and finished third overall in the primetime. So I'll uh, I'll go with my gut over his. Well, plus, and, and that's what the – see, that's also knowing the market, right? In your home league, mm -hmm. you probably don't need to do that depending on the platform, even though I did it in my home league because I was picking 12. So on the 4-5 turn, I Judy was one of my picks. But it goes to – if you like that player and you truly believe in him, and especially when you're playing here in the high stakes arena, you got to take the player and you're going to be wrong sometimes. Part of it is going out and making bold predictions, going out on a limb, and you're not going to be right on everyone. But that's knowing the market. You knew that, hey, if I don't take Judy here, I'm not getting him. So mm -hmm. it's being aware of what the market price is and the platform you're playing on. Well, I mean, Judy's ADP after half a dozen primetimes is 47 
uh, 71. So that's where you have to take him. But maybe you get him early fifth at the latest. But if you don't take him by the end of the fourth round, uh, there's a very high chance you're not getting him. Exactly. Um, how about Cortland Sutton? You know, did the preseason, you know, we see that video of him, like you can't avoid it, of him making the cut. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, it looks like, does that boost him at all for you? Was he a guy you're interested in? Uh, I really wasn't. I'm uh, Team Judy. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know my love for KJ Hamler. Uh, just because he goes so late and he's an injury um Sutton or Judy to having a major role and he's shown what he can do. And, you know, he's shown last year, he basically won people, some people, a lot of money uh, late. So, uh, I mean, Sutton, you have to be impressed by that cut. I mean, that was the leg and for him to be able to do that. And I know a lot of people, the other thing, when I took Judy, somebody mentioned the comment that I want to put on here. Oh, uh, Teddy B. If I remember correctly, without CMC last year, Teddy B was able to support Robbie Anderson, who ate well last year, and DJ Moore had another 1,100-yard season. So why isn't he going to be able to do that in Denver with with a bunch of weapons? Oh, I agree. I think Teddy B was a, a good thing for Judy. We saw it on that touchdown in the preseason, hit him in stride, he found the end zone. Uh, it seemed like the chemistry with Drew Locke wasn't there last year. And I don't know if you remember this. Judy tweeted out something last year, basically saying, hey, I'm glad I could get my cardio in because he was running and getting open consistently. And Drew Locke wasn't seeing him. And I know Judy didn't help his cause by dropping a lot of passes. Yes. But he was open a lot and Locke wasn't finding him. And the one thing about Bridgewater, look, Bridgewater is not taking this team to a Super Bowl. So if I'm wrong and they're there, uh, you'll have this audio clip to play for the uh, freezing cold takes. But he's a competent quarterback that will get the football in the hands of those receivers. I don't think he's going to take them to a championship, but we saw it last year. You know, he was competent. They really struggled in the red zone last year in Carolina. We'll see if that changes here. But this team has a lot of weapons. I think the missing link for Denver is an elite quarterback. Like we all know the Aaron Rodgers was mm-hmm. in the offseason. You put Rodgers there, they're a Super Bowl contender. But I think Judy's going to be, I think it was a good thing that Bridgewater was named the quarterback for Judy. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Judy's like biggest thing, like as you mentioned, was his drops. Because he's probably one of the best route runners already. I mean, which is impressive for his age. And you could go back to a guy that I was completely wrong after his first year or two, uh, Devontae Adams. Looked like he, he could never catch a ball. He would drop. He had so many drops. And now he's like, you know, one of the premier wide receivers in all of football. So uh, just improving on that will help his cause immensely. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Speaking of drops, real quick, I want to get your thoughts. Jamar Chase, because that was a guy that people were pretty high on. And it's been a struggle here in the preseason. The drops have been... Well illustrated, but if I remember correctly, didn't Justin Jefferson not have a great preseason last year? People were down. And I'm not saying Chase is going to be Jefferson, but uh, has this soured you on Chase? Were you off on him to begin with? Where have you been on Jamar Chase? I'm not soured by the drops. Uh, Like I said, the guy didn't play football for like 18 months. I think his price is, you know, he's much more appealing. I had drafted him early. Early on, I was split between him or T. Higgins when I first started. you know, doing my research and drafting, 
Now, uh, T. Higgins is one of my top guys. I think T. Higgins will finish as a top 10 wide receiver this year. If you've been in the draft with me, you've seen how high I've taken Higgins. I've set the min on him. So uh, uh, I, I just think the Bengals' offense is basically the Cowboys' offense. You know, they're just a, a worse team and probably have better game script to keep on throwing. So, I, I mean, I like all three of the Bengals' wide receivers. But uh, one of the things I believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins last year were basically Justin Jefferson, except their quarterbacks got hurt. You know, uh, he lost um, Dak after what, a handful of games, and uh, Burroughs went down in the game nine, I believe, off the top of my head. So those guys were prevented. You know, they missed a chunk with their quarterbacks. and. If you subscribe to the year two for the wide receivers, you know, the guys with the pedigree, you know, the guys who are really good with the high draft capital making that step, then, you know, I'm I'm all in. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that about T. Higgins because I do have him in several leagues as well. Uh, but we're going to pay a few bills, come back and talk some high stakes strategies with Matt Modica. All right, joined by Matt Modica today, one of the top high-stakes players around. So, Matt, I know it's a busy draft week for you. So uh, what are some of your big leagues upcoming that you'll be drafting in this week? Uh, Saturday night, I have the Super. It's online. Uh, I'm, not do, I'm not drafting in the New York Super, which uh, is still one of my favorite victories with Andy Saxon a couple of years ago. I will be facilitating it, though, and then – Going out for some uh, drinks with the fellas. I wanted to see everybody, so I'll go into that. And probably Thursday night, I'll be at the GST, uh, Christopher Caro's Bar in, in uh, Tribeca. So should be a fun couple of days there. And then next week, I got a couple of primes with Picaro. I got a classic remaining with Andy. And I think maybe a solo prime that final Saturday night. So still a lot to be done. Oh, of course. Uh, do you know your draft spots for most of those leagues? Uh, in the Super Saturday night, I have 10. I think that was my uh, second selection. Ah, that's funny you said that. That was my third selection for my online, and I got 10. I have a lot of 12. I usually go mm -hmm. like 1, 2, 12 a lot. Uh, I wanted 10, of course. From what I've been seeing, I, I can get that. I can make the choice of who I want before the turn. And I'm still going to get, you know, there's a handful of guys I'm happy with right after it. So that's why I moved it up to 10. So for for that aspect there. And I, if I'm not going to get the top pick or, the, you know, the first couple of picks, I want to be more towards the back end. It doesn't have to be 12, but I prefer that, you know, 9 to 12 range, because I do think you still get somebody good in the second round. And in the NFFC, with third round reversal, I think there's a maybe a top 28, 29, at least the top 30 you could put. Then after that, I think you're basically there's a bunch of guys clustered. I mean, there's some guys I might feel are should be much higher. So I'll move them up. But so that's my philosophy on why I'm going in that direction. Now, when you have multiple leagues and a lot of money on the line. Do you diversify with your early picks? Do you like to go different? I know it depends what's on the board, and we've seen the boards could be wild. So in one draft, 
you might have uh, an obvious player that you're taking and the other one, it's a different guy. So like, what's your general philosophy with playing in so many leagues for big money and maybe picking in similar spots? I think in the first couple of rounds, you, it's tough if you over, you know, if, if you get too heavy on a player in football, it's just dangerous. I mean, I, there's certain guys I would love to just keep taking, but I want to spread it out. I'm a big believer in however you want to put it, Adams Hill, Diggs, getting one of those guys. I don't understand why, you know, Elliott's a slam dunk when, you know, like Adams and Hill, when healthy, have out-earned them basically every year in NFFC scoring. So, you know, maybe your scoring, your league is different and stuff like that. But even like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry rushed for over 2,000 yards last year, scored 17 rushing touchdowns, and what was like RB3? Uh, didn't Devontae Adams have more points than him? I think Tyreek Hill might have had like six less points than him. Again, in NFFC scoring, which is all, all I care about. So I'm I'm going by the league I play in, which is the way I hope everybody else does it. So to me, I, I don't understand that. Well, they say, well, the top running backs, they evaporate. You know, I think in the you know in the second round you can still get somebody, or you can you know double up in the mid rounds. I know there's a dead zone, but I think there's a there's a few guys there that are worth taking. So it, I guess it depends on you know what you subscribe to and what you believe in. Uh, I'm not saying to go zero RB. I, maybe I'm more of a modified zero RB or maybe a hero RB, if you want to put it that way, where you get the one RB and then you pound the wide receivers for the most part. Uh, maybe I subscribe more to that. But I have no problem if I think the best two players on the board, if it's like, a, say, a Diggs-Ridley or you, know, you land on a Tyreek Hill-Diggs, you know, how do you pass that up, in my opinion? I, I mean, I don't know. These guys are proven that they are going to get the ball and score just as many, if not more, points than these running backs. Okay, maybe there's going to be that hero um, Todd Gurley guy in the playoffs. Yes, that might happen, but you could also get it. I lost a, uh, an overall. Me and Andy lost to Santos because he had Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. They went off all three weeks. Of the, of, of the playoffs, and, you know, we were the, the, the number one team at the end of the regular season, and we finished second. We just, you know, we just couldn't hang with that, so. Yeah, no, I think it's a, a good point, and, you know, I've always said this. I feel uh, people overvalue the running backs, that thirst to get the running backs early. You know, look, if you can get two good running backs early on, sure, and I would have done that, I but I know in the NFFC, you know, I – I know how quickly the receivers fly off the board and you start three with a flex. So I want to get those guys that are going to command a lot of targets early on, which is why I took Diggs in round two over a running back. I mean, I like Antonio Gibson and Najee Harris, but I mean, Diggs, you know, here, I, I don't know if you knew this. I, I don't know if I tweeted it out a, a while back, but Stefan Diggs has never had a double digit touchdown season, which is mm -hmm. crazy to me. I feel like he should have it this year because you know what the Bills are going to do. We already seen it. They're, why would the Bills change their offense? They uh, were tearing up the league last year, pass heavy. Diggs had 166 targets, 127. Why are they going to change? There's no uh, reason for them to change. I think, uh, you know, if you look at it to even – look, I think you call that positive touchdown regression going his way. But another thing, too, if you look at the second half of the year – and, and you put the spotlight on Diggs. 
it was he was even better. I mean, you see that, and I'll and I'll take uh, for the second half of the year with Tom Brady. Uh, I'm a big Brady guy too. If if I don't get one of these, you know, sexy quarterbacks, Brady's got three awesome receivers. Uh, they got Gio Bernard for him to be the James White. And that, that second half of the season when the team finally gelled and everybody was, you know, on point, obviously new scenario, new offense, you know, going to Tampa and stuff, but they were dominant. And Tom Brady has never let up. Well, even when in New England, they kept scoring. Yes, that is the so, point. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because what I'm high on Brady too. I probably don't have him enough because you're right. Go look at the second half. It took a while for them to get assimilated to each other. But once they did, they clicked. And that's the thing, because I'm hearing, well, the Bucks defense is really good. They're not going to have to throw. No, Matt hit it on the head. Brady doesn't take the foot off the throat. They're going to keep throwing. We saw it so many times last Where's year. the Lions was, last year? How about yeah, that? I just was going to say that. The Detroit. They threw like seven touchdown passes. <laughs> you know, I think he even came out for the third quarter to start or something. I don't know. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he threw. Then yeah, he threw like one or two early, and then they finally took him out. But he still had well, a huge day. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you look at like you know, he's got Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown, and these guys are all going. You know, even Antonio Brown goes in the sixth round now. But like, I'm guilty of this. The one guy I don't have any of, so I'm guilty of it as well. Is like Ben Roethlisberger. All his receivers and his running back go like in the first six rounds, but nobody wants Ben. Like, I don't understand how we could be taking, everybody could be taking all these, these three wide receivers and his running backs are borderline either first round pick or early second. And he's quarterback number 25 on everybody's list. Well, okay. I <laughs> took him last night with the last pick for me in round 20. I waited on my backup and I mm -hmm. took him. Doesn't mean I'm high on him. I'm not saying I'm going to use him either, but could that be that we're wrong on Pittsburgh's receivers and one or two of them disappoint? Yeah, and no, I mean, it could be. Maybe Ben, you know, I mean, look, he looked good against the Lions in preseason, but I mean, the Lions' regular season secondary is. I mean, me and you off. could look good against the Lions, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and uh, Pat Fermuth is becoming, you know, uh, a folk legend now, baby Gronk, whatever they call him <laughs> and stuff. So he'll be a guy that, you know, if he's not drafted in your league and goes out and has a good week one, he's going to be very popular on those waiver wires. But, no, I just find that interesting how, you know, the whole offense goes basically the first five rounds and the quarterback sometimes goes undrafted. You know, and like I said, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, there's other, you know, for me, I don't like to wait on my second quarterback, but I play in different leagues. If you play in the NFFC, is a – there's a 20-man uh, roster. And even if I have a good quarterback, I don't want my season torpedoed on, uh, you know, my number one quarterback going down because you're really not going to get that guy on waivers. The, the, the benches are too deep. So you have to have that in mind. All right. So you're saying I messed up. Thanks. Nah, I was looking at uh, a couple other guys. They just, you know, I was so thin at running back. Mm -hmm. That RB2 that I was, you know, in those rounds plucking him away and forced me to to go away. Actually, you know, I, I wanted to. Uh, there was a team in this league, actually, you know, on Billy Hayes. Uh, okay. He waited till round 15 to get his quarterback. And he well, I mean, to, that's he a big strategy. But that's yeah, I mean, he wound up getting Tua, Matt Ryan, and Matt Jones, which obviously looks better after today. But, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, there's so many different ways. So like, I don't want you to give everything away. I mean, you probably don't care because you've written and been on podcasts and you're going to do your thing. Uh, but I don't want to blow it up in case your competition is listening. But like, do you have like a general strategy that you stick to when you're entering these leagues? Or do you have like a, a group of players that you really want? Uh, I mean, it's I, I've, I've done a few so far. So, I mean, I have a, a couple of players on a couple of teams. And like I said, I don't want to have overexposure because I think that could sink your season and, uh, you know, make it tough to recover from. But I think it's more of a strategy. I have no problem taking the running back in round one or if a guy fell in round two. But, uh, you know, you got to know your format. In the NFFC, you have to start three receivers. Uh, I kind of subscribe to the tenets of anti-fragility. So maybe I'm a disciple of that and that influences me. And I believe, I believe in most case scenarios, you want to have the wide receiver at your flex. That's the winning uh, formula, the winning edge. So that means you got to get four wide receivers. You know, and you're probably going to need more than that because you're not going to be right on all four and somebody's going to get hurt. So I, I'm not afraid you know, oh, my God, I don't have, you know, I do like to have, if I can get that one running back, so that's why I think picking towards the back, you do get one running back, and it sets you up for one, you know, stud receiver, and, and then in that early third, you can get another really good wide receiver. So, like, that build right there is something I I do like. I know people, you know, want to load up on those running backs, and, and that's fine. I mean, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong. I think it's my season's going to go one or two ways. It's going to go really well or really bad. I don't think there's going to be a middle ground this year. So we'll see. But that's what, you know, that's what I believe in. I'm putting my money where my mouth is on that philosophy, and we'll see if it pays off. Yeah, I've generally done that for the last few years. I like to get one top running back early, and it all depends on where you pick. Obviously, if you're picking in the first few, you can get it done. Although I did say this the last several weeks, like you can make an argument it goes back to what you say to take Devonte Adams third, because what is the downside for Devonte Adams outside of injury, which every player in the mm-hmm. first round, every player that steps foot on the NFL field has, you know, he's getting targets. You know, Aaron Rodgers loves him. You know, Aaron Rodgers wants to get him paid. You know, Last Aaron Rodgers, photo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers forced the ball to him. So there were, I remember there were like four downs inside the five, four straight plays to Devonte Adams. So like, there's no downside to him. Outside of injury. Here's what I'll say, just to put the point in fact. I had the fifth pick. uh, I think maybe it was last Thursday night. And Elliot was there. And I went Adams never considering uh, Elliot. Uh, It's just I'm – I I think Elliot's going to have a good year. Uh, He has the chance for a monster year. And then I could look terribly wrong. But I I know Adams usually outproduces him. That is Rogers' guy. So basically an injury is the only way he fails. And I'm not going to draft scared about injuries and stuff. Is he going to score 18 touchdowns? No, probably not. But I think he's going to put up at least 12, <laughs> like he does every year, plus all the yardage. Uh, so I, for me, uh, some people are going to say I'm crazy. I should have went Elliott there. The problem I have with Elliott, too, is I honestly don't think he's the best back on that team. And maybe some people think that's nuts. But I think if, you know, you draft Tony Pollard in the ninth or tenth round or wherever he goes and something happens to Zeke, I think, you know, you, you just you just won the lottery right there because, you know, 
that guy is going to produce in that offense. Uh, I I think as a pass catcher, he's definitely more exciting and, and stuff like that. And I, and I don't hate Zeke. I just have a different philosophy. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong and we'll, the, the season will play out. Yeah. I mean, look, I said that Adams is the pick. It, you can argue with it. But when I had the third pick in the GST, I took Zeke. And the reason is, no, he could be on the downside of his career because he's had a ton of carries. But I can't look at last year and say that because he had COVID. The offensive line had numerous injuries. Yeah. Dak went out. If you go look at the first four weeks, uh, I think Zeke had 23 receptions. I tweeted this out a few weeks ago. He had 23 receptions, I think, in the first four games with Dak. And you could say, well, the defense was so bad. They were so far down. That's not going to happen again. It probably could. Zeke's also in way better shape. I know we hear that bullshit all the time. Yeah, no, I know he's back at college. But you but you could see it if you're watching Hard Knocks yes. and seeing the crack. He's definitely in better shape. So for me, it's a volume thing with Zeke mm-hmm. and he's been durable in his career and the offense has improved. So that's why I did it. But on your other side, if you're pitting Adams for Zeke, I can't go at you and say, no, you're completely wrong. I understand that part of it for me is, all right, I get that one bell cow running back early and I'm waiting on running back. And I did in that draft. I went Zeke. I hammered um, uh, uh, receivers, got Darren Waller in round three, and I didn't take my second running back till round nine. So that's the way I, I ideally want to build it, especially when – and this is going to happen in your home leagues for those that are listening. Obviously, the high-stakes leagues is a completely different beast uh, because most people are going to hammer the wide receivers, which is why Matt is saying you got to take them. But in your home leagues, man, people overvalue running backs. Yes. I see it all the time. It's a complete joke, man. They just – I got to get my running back. They don't care. They're not even looking at the profile of the guy, the offense they're in. They just – I got to get my running back, and it's it's wrong. Yeah, running backs, and they'll be the one guy that'll take Mahomes either in the first or early second. And look, in, in my, I do one home league. Uh, I'm doing that next Wednesday. We have the 12th pick. I don't have third round reversal, so the 12th pick isn't as fun there. But yeah, it's a totally throw it out the window, and that's more of just you know get your guys to build a team you want because you're gonna have guys just there's just so much randomness in that. There is no ADP to kind of gauge things or, but I, I will say the hardest decision I had to make and in retrospect, maybe it's the wrong one. I think it's the wrong one on, on the, you know, the safety list, the floor, but again, I wanted that hero running back. I started nine with Tyreek Hill and then whatever it was, two, four, two, five, Kelsey was there. And so is Saquon. And I'm nervous about Saquon. I'll only take him in the second round. I, I got to have that foundation player already. But I also see, I also think if Saquon's healthy, he's a top five back. You know, he's going like, you know, third, fourth, the latest in, uh, in drafts. So I'm looking at winning it overall and having the guy, you know, if Saquon misses a couple of games and I can survive with my, you know, running back substitutes, because I did wind up going Mahomes. One of the few times I'll go uh, quarterback early, but I had Hill. I wasn't crazy. Like, there wasn't main separators in three for me where I was picking. The guys went ahead of me. So I, I knew I can get the wide receivers four and five that I liked. So I did go that route. And every now and then you got to change it up. So that was probably my hardest decision this draft season. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's what I always say. Know your league format. Know who you're playing against. And when you're shooting for an overall, you will take that shot on a Barkley because, as Matt said, 
if he is healthy, we all know what he can do. But there's a reason why you're seeing him fall. He went first pick around two in mine last night. And he night, goes so. like eight. You know, he goes as eight. I think he's got even higher than that. So it's not like, you know, there aren't people willing to take that gamble. I think he's settling in right now with an ADP of 15. So, you know, it's either him or Chubb that are going there. And what are you doing uh, at tight end this year? I mean, we know that the position has already taken some hits. Uh, it's, every year we kind of look and think, oh, yeah, th- this guy will do something and it never pans out. We have the elite, you know, Kelsey, you got to take in the first, the early second. Uh, Darren Waller goes late second, early third, Kittle in the third. And then you got the Pitts, Hawkinson, Mark Andrews tier. Uh, what has been your general philosophy while trying to attack the tight end position in draft? I mean, the only reason I won't take Kelsey there, it's kind of like the argument I'd say. I'd say like the tight end argument for the high end tight ends is like the fantasy baseball, like the 2020 JT Remuto season or the 2021 Salvador Perez. It's at that position. It's such an advantage. And I get it. I just most most of the time I'm going to go wide receiver or running back there and take the chance that there are times you will get a say, if you want that tight end, you can get Waller sometimes early in the third. And if you're picking late, you get one of those top three picks. Sometimes he's there for you. So Waller would be uh, someone I would take in the early third, or if you want to take him late second, you know, I think that's still giving you the advantage. Otherwise I got a share of Kyle Pitts. He lasted to 68 the other night. I wasn't even planning on taking him. But at, you know, 68, which was 6'8", it was like, uh, or six, six, I was like, how do you not take him? You know, I have to take him here. So, you know, sometimes things are going to fall to you where you just have to hit that button. Uh, but Logan Thomas is a guy that I'm, I, I think he's going to have another uh, monster season, uh, especially with Fitzmagic there. I think he's going to get fed. I liked Irv Smith, but now, I mean, I saw he could be out for a couple of weeks or it could be season ending. So, Yeah, there's two types of meniscus <laughs> surgery. So if he has the one, um, I forget exactly, one's a repair, uh, but one could keep him out for the season. Yeah, I did like Irv Smith too. I know I have him in a league with no backup, so I'm going to have to go to the waiver wire there. But So I took Pitts at 5-3 last night. Oh, it's uh, fine. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, Eckler, Diggs, McLaurin, Judy. So the running backs on the board, I mean, Gus Edwards was there. Where are you on Gus Edwards? Are you? Where would you take him right now? See, I have a hard time with these guys that fly up. I, I mean, maybe it's just a psychological thing for me. And the other thing, too, like in the fourth round, there's just so many good wide receivers I love. I'm going to take T. Higgins over Gus Edwards every time. Oh, I'm yeah. Gonna blink on that. Uh, you know, James uh, – Robin, James Robinson last year, the guy's a beast. I, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve where he goes, but there's just receivers I'm probably going to take, you know, over there. And even like, say, when you mentioned you got Pitts at 5'4", you know, sometimes I see like the Kyla Murrays or the Josh Allens are around there. And I think at like 5'4", that's just tough to pass up on those types of quarterbacks, if they fall. It's not going to well, happen. Kyler was there. I did pass on him. He went last pick around five. So, I mean, I could he, I mean, Brandon Ayuk was there, but I already had three receivers, and I knew I would get another one in round six that I liked. 
And I, you know, at the running backs, it was Edwards, Mostert, Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, Trey Sermon, Gaskin. I don't like any of those guys at five three. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying, and I, I just love the 49ers. I think Brandon Ayuk. It's you know, it's maybe a tougher way for him to get there, just the way the offense is set up going into this year. But I, I, I call him the answer if he does hit. He's going to be huge. I think he's extremely talented. But I, I just the Niners were a team that got decimated by injury last year. I, I think they're going to smash this season. Uh, I love Sermon. I even love Mozart. Uh, Debo, Iuk, you got Kittle. Uh, Trey Lance is one of my most owned quarterbacks. So I just think this offense, they're playing basically, their schedule is incredible. I mean, outside. Oh, of it is. Play, man. That playoff schedule. Oh, the playoff schedule is insane. But I'm saying, like, outside of having to play the Rams twice and like going to Seattle and maybe like you know one other one or two other games, their schedule is just so nice. And I I think when you put Lance in there, that rushing offense is going to be so hard to uh, defend, and it's just going to open up the passing games. And when you got three high end options like they do, it's I mean, I, I'm I try and get as much San Francisco as 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 I can put it that way. Okay, I'm interested in Trey Lance because we've seen him move up the draft boards rapidly. I mean, my home league you went QB six. That's clearly an outlier. But where have you been taking him? Have you been taking him as your QB one, getting another one, or were you are these no, early no, drafts where he wasn't as high? He's always my QB two. He is. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get that. I, you know, it depends. Like I got him, he fell in my last one where I got him, but it depends. We got to just pay attention to the board. You know, if you like to have two decent quarterbacks, it's, it's just worked out well with us. I mean, when me and Andy won the New York super, we took the Sean Watson in the fifth round and then we took Mahomes in like the 12th, you know, we had the Sean Watson. You know, we took Mahomes the 11th, 12th. I mean, that year we got Kittle and Mahomes in the 11th, 12th round. It was it was sick. And then in the the classic team I had with Andy, I took um, I took Cam and say like the ninth round or the tenth round, and I came around the next round and I took Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, Cam wanted to get hurt the first week anyway, whatever it was. But Lamar Jackson was the guy. You know, we just rode that guy. And if I don't take Lamar Jackson, we're not in that position to finish second overall. Yeah, no, that's a good look. In 20 round drafts, I will take a second quarterback. And yeah, you, but like you say, in 20, it's, you have to know what you're getting into and what the difference is between 16, 20. Is there an overall component? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Exactly. And that's again, goes back to knowing the league format, knowing the competition. Uh, that's why there's different strategies for all. But I know a lot of people are interested in the high stakes leagues. And I always like bringing the high stakes players on like Matt Modica, man, I could talk to you for hours, man, but I know we both have things to do, but uh, I appreciate the time, man. I'm hoping it, I don't know what, I, so I was planning to come out Thursday night. Uh, Chris told me about it mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, I'm going. And then I realized, oh shit, I have a draft Thursday night at 10 o'clock. So I got a draft Thursday night at 10 o'clock too. And I'm oh, you do? So where are you doing it from? I'll be doing it from the iPad, probably at GST from there, unless we have like this crazy rainstorm, then, you know, I don't know if we're going to Oh, yeah, that's the other thing, too. I, mean, <laughs> I, I hope it subsides. By th- I know it's going to start Wednesday, so maybe 
Ah, so maybe I can. Maybe I, most yeah. likely I'll spend two days in the city. So I'll, I'll wind up just get in a room and come back Saturday morning. So, but I, it depends if it gets really bad and it's, you know, storming. But you guys are going out Friday night after as well? And Friday night after as well, I believe we're going across the street. So. All right. I got to, because I definitely want to hang out with you guys. I'll be broadcasting the Super on oh, Series XM Fantasy Sports Radio Friday night. That's from. 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, so it's not going to cover the whole draft. You guys start at 8, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. It's 8 o'clock. Well, then again, you, you could finish the – you might be able to finish that draft in two hours, right? You take one yeah, break. I, I would think uh, two hours, maybe just a little. Maybe you miss yeah, a, a little more. Maybe miss a couple I know, rounds. I know we we finished our online draft in an hour and 15 minutes last night, man. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the prime time is online going like an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, it's quick. <laughs> That's funny because uh, the you know the clock's a minute. Someone in my home league was like, "Hey, can we uh, move the clock to three minutes next year?" <laughs> I was like, um, "No, we did a minute ten in this draft. It's a twenty-four round draft because we do IDPs, and it took two hours and forty-five minutes, man." Now, the, the, the people like in that nineteen twentieth round that are taking the full minute. It's like, come on, you don't really know who you're going with here. This point. Like, look, I know home leagues are different and there's some casual players, but be prepared. It might be your only draft or two drafts. You can't be prepared for this. Come on, man. It's amazing, it's not, though. Most people aren't. They, they aren't. And that's why people fail in life, too. I remember the only reason I do this home league, one of my best friends asked me to join her a few years ago. So I get there and he shows up with a magazine. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> It's like, and then throughout the draft, it was around. He's like, the, he's like, they have it. I go, dude, I do this every day. They have this. This is from like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Do you do well in that home league or do you not win? You know what? We've had two. Re- I think I've been in there four. I've had two really good years. And it's actually a nice money league because it's, I think it's 600 per team. And there's a $200 fab, but it's real money fab. Okay. So, and everybody basically spends the 200. You know, maybe there's one or two teams that doesn't hit the 200 mark, but everybody usually spends that. So we've had two really good seasons and two uh, disappointing seasons, but they have only two wide receivers, two running backs and a flex. And every year I say, we do three wide receivers and I hear tradition and some other bullshit. Yeah. I hate that too. I've had to like push leagues that I'm in to change it. I mean, my home league, I do two running backs, three receivers, two flex spots. Um, you know, because I think it should be deeper, but it's crazy, man, because it, the home leagues, I always do well record wise in points, but don't win it as much. And you would think like someone like you and me who do this. Oh, yeah. Well, well it's but- different. It really my mindset is so geared on like receivers and stuff. And in those leagues, like I said, Pat Mahomes goes in the first round sometimes or the very early second round. So, you know, things just get changed around and you got to have a different mindset. And if you're picking 12, like I am this year in the home league, I'm not picking to 36 now instead of picking 25, 13, you know, 12, 13, 25. It's 12, 13, 36, 37. So that's a whole different mindset there, too. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that because I had picked 12. I did mine on Sunday. And um, so this is my start. Uh, Taylor, Kelsey, Cooper, Lockett, Higgins, Judy, Dak, Antonio Brown, Dylan, Mike Williams. Right. Seems like a pretty stacked team. <laughs> yeah. But it's but if if I would have known that 
TJ Hawkinson and Pitts would go on round seven, <laughs> I wouldn't have taken Kelsey. But like that's well, the thing. To be you say that, if you would have known when they went in round seven, you wouldn't have taken Kelsey. And then I, like when I look back on taking Barkley over Kelsey in that draft I was talking about where I had Hill in the first round, I got Pitts at 6'8". And if I right. would have known in advance I was getting Pitts at 6'8", I would have went Barkley. Right. Well, you know, we, uh, that's the thing. Unfortunately, we don't have these answers. And we might look back on this at the end of the season and go, what were we thinking? Right. Yeah. That's how oh, it that goes. That a lot. Baseball and football. Like, oh, it does, man. It's something. <laughs> it's, but it's good, though. Isn't that like how you learn and you figure yeah, out, okay, what? I, I honestly think uh, baseball has been a rough year for me. And I think the best motivator is failure. And if, you know, if you look, most times in life, I've been the windshield, but we're all going to be the bug. And if, you know, if you have a, a down season or something, it's pretty much going to happen every, with everything. I've had it on Wall Street where, you know, you can be consistently doing well and you have one year that's like subpar. It, if you're not motivated and saying, what did I do wrong here? What, what, what happened? What went wrong when I'm normally successful? And you don't try to figure that out and be excited to figure that out, then maybe it's not for you. Yeah, I can tell you this. Baseball, usually I always have robust offenses and the pitching is the work in progress. This year I hit on pitching because I took a lot of guys late like Trevor Rogers, Carlos Rodon, Freddie Peralta. This is some of the worst offensive teams I've ever had in my life, man. It's just I know injuries were a part of it, but man, yeah. I've never like I have an online championship team with like uh, 46 in pitching and like 26 in offense. And I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Like, that's not usually how I build my team. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Injuries were insane this year, but I look at it as I can't use injuries as an excuse. I should have, everyone picked, has, them. I should have picked better players. I should have picked a different, yeah. you know, George Spring has been a beast when he's on the field, but he hasn't been on the field. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Like I said, we could talk all day, but we both got things to do, man. Yes, I appreciate thank you for having me on, Adam. It's always a pleasure to come on and talk with you. I think you are definitely one of the best in the business, and I'll keep on crushing. Well, I, you're only saying that because I invite you on my shows. Is that why? That's, that, that is, <laughs> I know, but in all honesty, in, in like all these expert leagues, too, you continually either win it or cash when many don't, and that's just a fact. Well, I appreciate those kind words. I've been in leagues with Matt. He's a very good player. Like he said, everyone is going to have a down team. No one is perfect. And learning from it and getting better and bouncing back. Because I know Matt had huge years last year in baseball and football. And hopefully he will do it again in football. But Matt Modica, make sure you check him out at CTM Baseball on Twitter. All right, that wraps it up for Andy Up. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Andy Up presented by the Fantasy Alarm.